The following program is a special presentation of the Big Ten Network, produced in association with the University of Iowa. Coming up in this episode, the National Advanced Driving Simulator, Advancing Oral Health at Iowa, the science of all things fluid, and inside the mind of a Big Ten mascot, next on Iowa Magazine. Automobile safety has come a long way in a hundred years, from seat belts to airbags to collision warning systems. But along with these improvements have come higher speeds and more traffic. Given how dangerous driving can be, how do we design safer cars, informed by the way people actually drive? How can we achieve realism without the actual risk? The National Advanced Driving Simulator at the University of Iowa addresses this with a high-precision tool that recreates the experience of driving, the NADS-1 simulator. This high-fidelity ground vehicle simulator was the first of its kind in the world and provides the most realistic virtual driving experience available. Our mission is to help save lives. We believe that by having a tool that allows us to put human beings in a very safe and controlled environment but yet allows them to drive like they would in the real world. A tool like that is invaluable in trying to figure out how we can lower the loss of life. The NADS-1 consists of an entire vehicle inside a 24-foot dome with a wraparound 360-degree visual display system. A motion base with 13 degrees of freedom accurately reproduces the sensations of accelerating, braking, maneuvering, and interaction with the road surface. These features combine to give the NADS-1 an unparalleled level of realism. Most people, they have a pretty good sense for what driving feels like. So we have to have a tool that replicates that driving experience really well because the whole premise of the research that's being done on the tool is that when people get in and they drive the NADS-1 simulator, that they truly believe that they're driving a car. A major study at NADS evaluated electronic stability control an active safety system designed to help drivers maintain control of their vehicles in adverse conditions. Because research was able to show that the system was effective, the National Highway and Traffic Safety Administration made ESC a standard feature in light vehicles, estimating the system will save thousands of lives annually. Research at NADS isn't limited to studying vehicle systems. Vision studies on NADS-1 have focused on driver performance as well. In the driving simulator, so in an artificial environment, you can put somebody in a position where things are going to happen that's truly going to test their ability to drive safely, where they're going to have to be able to scan efficiently, where they're going to have to read signs, where if they have an accident, it's not going to hurt anybody. And that's the nice thing, is we can actually truly test the person's ability to compensate for their acuity or field loss in that environment. You can't do it anywhere else. Dr. Wilkinson's work, providing visual rehabilitation and advocacy for older drivers, is an example of how NADS research can help improve quality of life. You know, as part of the Center for Macular Degeneration, we're seeing lots of people who have inherited eye diseases. 
um, you know, various problems. And, and one of the most important things is trying to help them to be as independent as possible, as functional as possible. So the, the research that's done at NADS is very helpful as we do our advocacy for people to be able to keep driving where it's appropriate, and then other people we have to tell it's time to stop or retire from driving, which is my favorite term. So. The NADS-1 is the highest fidelity simulator, but the center also houses NADS-2, a specially outfitted stationary simulator. The NADS-2, with its high-resolution display, is ideal for current studies evaluating night vision systems in automobiles. At the present time, the U.S. government doesn't really have a, a scientific database of uh, detailed information on, on how night vision systems in car perform, uh, what sort of things you can and cannot see, and what sort of uh, performance enhancements you can expect out of them uh, with regard to, say for example, avoiding pedestrians uh, at night and so forth. Like other studies at NADS, this research is vital because it informs policy regarding safety and transportation systems. We want to provide the government with, with all the necessary information that they need for rulemaking to know exactly what sort of human factors questions might arise when, when you uh, deploy uh, night vision systems into automobiles. As part of the Center for Computer-Aided Design in the College of Engineering, NADS continues Iowa's tradition of innovation in human factors studies. And so we had the expertise and the vision to think about the idea of having a tool like this when a tool like this did not exist. While automobile safety continues to improve with the help of centers like NADS, there will surely be more questions to answer as long as we use vehicles to get around. I think driving simulation is just very much underutilized across various fields. There's a lot of promise for us to make a difference, and we're just getting started. So we have a lot of work in front of us. To learn more about the National Advanced Driving Simulator, visit nadssc.uiowa.edu. Coming up, advancing oral health care at Iowa, next on Iowa Magazine. Everyone knows it's important to practice good dental hygiene, to take care of your teeth and prevent cavities and gum disease. But today's dental practitioners know it goes deeper than that, that oral health can have a profound impact on overall health. At the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, today's and tomorrow's dentistry professionals address this connection, providing unsurpassed education, advancing the science of dentistry through research, and delivering the highest quality patient care. Dr. Mike Canellis, Associate Dean for Patient Care, focuses on pediatric dentistry and bringing dental care to underserved populations and children with limited access to oral health services. For kids that experience a lot of decay in early childhood, it has a really significant impact on their overall health. They've done studies, in fact, that show that kids with a lot of tooth decay will not grow normally or develop normally. We also know that kids that have toothaches from decay won't be able to sit in school and learn as well and develop as well cognitively as we would like them to. So the bottom line is having a healthy mouth is really essential for overall health as well. The college emphasizes this connection from the beginning. First-year dental students at Iowa receive hands-on experience working with patients and teeth, albeit in the college's high-tech simulation clinic. The simulators are great because they are mannequins and you can actually recline the chest. Um, they have heads, you can turn to the left, to the right. They can deal with difficult access, difficult visibility, and learn how to do dental procedures in 
conditions that are very close to what we do in the clinic. Immersive learning environments, like the simulation clinic, facilitate the kind of faculty-student interaction that the college finds so valuable. We do a lot of one-on-one -on -one teaching with the students. Uh, we can sit down in the clinic, show them how to do a procedure, uh, demonstrate something that is sometimes a little bit harder to explain in a lecture. We have the opportunity to do that with our students. As part of a truly unique educational experience at the college, students are also exposed to some of the leading academic research in their field. The idea is to actually have a research program that complements the educational program and of course complements the service program of the college and therefore when a university system is pushing forward on all three fronts, it's really research which actually pushes the field forward and actually makes it truly a profession. We want our students to have that experience and so we have to give them not just the clinical skills that they need today but the scientific background and the ability to critically think about what they're doing so that they'll be ready for the next 20 years after that. A strong research program complements the college's service mission, serving thousands of patients annually with both value and expertise. Patients coming to the faculty practice often receive care from the leading experts in their fields. The service mission enhances the educational programs, giving advancing students hands-on experience providing professional care under faculty's expert supervision. One day I'll have operative where I'll do like fillings and that kind of stuff and then the next day I do pediatric dentistry so we either do cleanings for kids or we're doing fillings or stainless steel crowns, that kind of stuff. The College of Dentistry is unique as the only dental school in the nation to offer advanced education and patient care in all specialties of dentistry. One patient who appreciated the college's strong, balanced program was legendary former Iowa football coach Hayden Fry. I studied at the University of Iowa thoroughly before accepting the head job as a football coach. And uh, everything about the University of Iowa was outstanding, and particularly the School of Dentistry. There's not anything they can't handle and do an excellent job of doing it. My wife had a lot of work done, and uh, we, we fell in love with the School of Dentistry at the University of Iowa. The College of Dentistry is just one of the many renowned programs at Iowa that continue to thrive in the unique culture of this campus. I think being part of a large university in a small community uh, has so many advantages. We are right in the midst of an academic health center. We are able to learn and grow in an environment where we feel supported. I think a college of dentistry could be put anywhere, but the fact that we are in Iowa City and part of the University of Iowa has made it very, very special. The most rewarding aspect of my work is to make a difference in the life of students and also to have the opportunity to work in an environment that is really centered on the quality of the service we provide for the patients. To learn more about the University of Iowa College of Dentistry, visit dentistry.uiowa.edu. Coming up, the science of all things fluid. On the University of Iowa campus, across the river from the power plant, sits an imposing brick building. Inside the fortress-like walls of the lower level, the river itself once ran in a channel created for early 20th century hydraulics experiments. Today, that channel is sealed off, but the historic edifice that remains is the hub of a world-renowned institute, 
IIHR Hydroscience and Engineering. How did the University of Iowa in the heart of the Midwest come to house an international center for hydroscience? The story involves influential directors, changing societal needs, and diverse research, all of which flowed through IIHR, just like the river once did. IIHR's mission is to provide education and conduct research in the broad areas of fundamental fluid mechanics, water and air resources, and environmental hydraulics. But today's institute was largely shaped by three past directors, each representing a distinct approach to hydroscience. In 1920, Floyd Nogler led Iowa's first hydraulics lab, performing field studies, river surveys, and small-scale modeling to address real-world engineering problems. The lab was instrumental during the 1930s in helping the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to design the nine-foot navigation channel of the Mississippi River. By 1945, however, Hunter Rouse was taking IIHR in a different direction, away from applied science toward basic research around the fundamentals of fluid mechanics. Over the next two decades, Rouse's many publications and innovative programs built IIHR's reputation as an international leader in hydroscience. Hunter Rouse was a tremendous traveler. He traveled around the world many, many, many times when very few people did that. And everywhere he went, he was promoting IIHR and also getting graduate students and researchers to come to the Institute so that it, during his period of leadership, the Institute became truly international and became very well established. In the 1960s, director Jack Kennedy built on this legacy by integrating theoretical research and applied studies in the last several decades, the Institute has been greatly enhanced by computer-based simulation and modeling techniques, fueling the great diversity of projects happening today. It is a very uh, broad-ranging research program, one that ranges from fundamental science of fluid mechanics, understanding of turbulence and the higher fidelity parameters within the fluid flow that really define how that fluid motion occurs, and then the application of that fundamental fluids research to applied engineering river hydraulics problems, as an example. So uh, as the societal needs have changed, uh, various agencies continue to look to IHR for you know, the cutting-edge research that we're doing. Some of the most cutting-edge research at IIHR has been in the Ship Hydrodynamics Program. Supported by the Office of Naval Research, the program uses computational and experimental fluid dynamics to study a range of free surface flow problems relevant to ship hull design. The fundamental equations of mathematical physics for engineering were derived over 150 years ago, but it's only in the last 50 years that we've been able to really make use of them. In my thinking, this is going to revolutionize the engineering. Uh, engineering will become more and more based on simulation techniques uh, as, as time evolves. IIHR has taken their simulation expertise and applied it to real-world problems like the environmental impact of man-made structures. The fish passage work that we've been involved in in the Pacific Northwest has really required a laboratory that can work uh, in an academic environment with the most advanced technologies and at the same time meet the needs of industry. So we've taken some of the advances in our computational fluid dynamics and applied those to river engineering projects to solve fish passage issues for the hydropower industry in the Pacific Northwest. 
IIHR's work in environmental engineering, ecosystem restoration, and river sustainability are behind the Lucille A. Carver Mississippi Research Station, or LACMERS. LACMERS provides a location where physical and biological scientists come together to examine the issues facing the Upper Mississippi River. This is a very unique uh, facility in that uh, we have uh, a group of river specialists uh, that do fundamental research both through com computational modeling and laboratory studies, but for them to be able to come out and work on the river in this natural system is just a very unique opportunity. Beyond the research that happens at LACMERS, the station lets students learn about integrated watershed science in an immersive environment. Students, when they're out on the river, they're in a different environment where their brain really is open to new ideas and they see the challenges that are out there before them. And I want to develop a passion in the students for the river and science and engineering. And that's what really has been happening with the classes that we have and that's, that's exciting. IIHR's expertise in air and water resources engineering became even more valuable after the flood of 2008 in Iowa. And the increased public interest in understanding floods led to the creation of the Iowa Flood Center at IIHR. The flood of June 2008 was an eye-opening event for many of us. It exposed many gaps in our knowledge in our activities, uh, in our organization, and it mobilized our efforts. The work of the Iowa Flood Center at IIHR includes an informational website and a broad range of research, including floodplain mapping and real-time flood forecasting. Given IIHR's strength in so many fields of hydroscience, it's easy to define the Institute in terms of its research, but ask the people at IIHR, and they'll tell you the greatest product is their students. The most gratifying aspect of being a faculty member here is uh, working with the graduate students, uh, seeing uh, them uh, mature as scientists, go through the voyage of discovery, and, and for them to have their first breakthroughs. Bringing people together to solve problems uh, and to do research is uh, what really attracts people to IHR. To learn more about IIHR hydroscience and engineering, visit iihr.uiowa.edu. Coming up, inside the mind of a Big Ten mascot. Game day at Kinnick Stadium, minutes from kickoff. One key figure carries the hopes of the Hawkeye Nation on his shoulder pads. When the hero emerges from the tunnel, 70,000 fans erupt for the University of Iowa's biggest celebrity. To millions of Hawkeye fans, Herky is a familiar sight. But behind the game day heroics are an elite group of students who take Iowa's mascot tradition very seriously. Herky's kind of a comical, easygoing type of mascot, and so he likes to play tricks on people or, you know, just have a good time, sit by someone, joke around with them. And then we also have the interaction with the cheerleaders. We'll do some stunts and we'll actually get Herky up in the air, which is always a good time. Like the cheerleaders can get everyone excited, but once everyone sees Herky, that's when everyone really starts to get going and realize it's game day and it's time to get going. It's really just amazing how Herky can get up on a board and make 3,000 students in the student section just scream and do exactly what he does. It's a rush and it's really fun to watch. 
when you're in suit, it's kind of like you're a superhero. All the fans know you as Herky and everybody knows you, but then when you take off the suit, you're just like any other person. And I think that's one of the coolest things. Concealing Herky's true identity is key to preserving the mystique of the university's most recognizable public figure. The reason we kind of protect those that are playing Herky is Herky is a symbol of the university and covers all and does all for the university. It's not about the individuals that are playing Herky, but the actual mascot itself that's at um, events. Several different students play Herky, but they all become the same character come game time. Once you're in suit, you're no longer you, you're Herky. Uh, so it changes everything. And then, you know, when the suit comes off, it's back to the normal person. It's just a whole different world. It's not really like I'm interacting with them at all. It's Herky interacting, and it's definitely a different person once you're in suit. While a diverse group handles the role of this mascot, Iowa's spirit coordinator knows it takes a special person to become Herky. Uh, I think there's a lot of important characteristics to being Herky. Um, I think creativity and energy are probably the two most important ones. My most challenging thing is to always just continue to find different new original things that are going to make people laugh and make people just happy to see Herky. At every game, Herky can be found cheering on the Hawkeyes and keeping fans entertained. But behind the helmet is a hard-working student carrying on a sacred tradition. A lot of people might assume that Herky is just a guy in the suit, but it's not true. Herky really is a bird who loves the Iowa Hawkeyes. The preceding program was produced by the University of Iowa in association with the Big Ten Network.